Hey, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, strap yourselves in for some pop culture talk. Usually we talk movies, video games, comic books, TV, all the pop culture stuff. But uh, this one's a special. We're going to be going uh, on a major deep dive with my friend Ian Kerner on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. That's the big Marvel movie that just came out this past weekend. I don't know if you saw it. I don't. Maybe you haven't heard of it. Did they do enough publicity for this one? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they did. Uh, you definitely are hearing about the MCU movies at this point. Um, they're unavoidable. And uh, this one definitely was for Ian and I. We were there on opening night to check out this movie. Uh, and it introduces on the big screen King the Conqueror, the Jack Kirby creation, uh, the time traveling Avengers villain. But he's introduced in an Ant-Man movie. Is that for the better or for the worse? Well, I'm going to talk to Ian about it and uh, we'll get all in to like the nitty gritty on this Ant-Man three. So uh, there will be major spoilers. I'm going to tell you that Uh, if you have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, you're definitely, definitely going to want to come back for this one. Uh, We're going to spoil the heck out of it. So please take this as your final warning. All right, Geekscapers, let's talk Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, the third Ant-Man movie. Peyton Reed is back as the director of this one, and it introduces on the big screen King the Conqueror. You've seen King the Conqueror already in the MCU. He was in uh, the finale of Loki, uh, and Ian's going to give me lots of backstory on who he is. I I, I know who he is, but that's for you. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he is the time-traveling Avengers villain, and because he's a time-traveler, he can traverse the multiverse and... Uh, if he makes a mistake fighting the Avengers, he can go back in time and fix the mistake or have a different version of him fix the mistake or make multiple versions of him throughout time to stop the Avengers at every twist and turn. He, Kang gets out of hand very quickly in the comic books. Uh, to me, he... Hmm, who are my top Avengers villains? Well, okay, I'm going to put the doc, I'm going to put Doctor Doom, who's my favorite MC, like Marvel villain. I'm going to put him squarely over at the Fantastic Four, even though... He's a villain for the entire universe. Uh, Magneto, I'm going to put, he's squarely an X-Men villain. Okay. As far as Avengers go, Loki's the reason that the Avengers got together. So you got to put Loki at number one. He's the top Avengers villain. And if you're reading the new Avengers Forever storyline going on through the two Avengers books, um, it's a lot of Loki uh, going on and it's really actually pretty well written. Um, Kang's number two. And I, so that's why I think that this MCU treatment's doing a really great job. Is Loki is the big bad? You got him. Thanos. I'm putting him behind Kang. He shows up, but Thanos is a character that wasn't created until later. Kang has been a problem since what late '60s, '70s. We'll have Ian confirm that one. Uh, and so I'm going to put Thanos squarely third. So top Avengers villains according to, to Jonathan. You got Loki, Kang, who you got in this movie, and then. You've got 
Thanos. And now we have them all on the big screen and we'll talk about it. All right. I'm going to bring Ian in here. I hope he's, he's finished his prep for our conversation. All right. Uh, Cause here he is, is Ian Kerner. The, uh, if, if there is a Kang to the Avengers, to the MCU, Ian is that to the Geekscape. Ian, how are you, man? My multiversal uh, arch nemesis. Ian the Conqueror. Okay. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm good, I think. <laughs> uh, well, Ian, I say that because like Kang, you've traversed these comics quite a bit, both in the, both in the past and sometimes you know what's happening in the future. Hey, Not man, unlike you King. know, I'm getting so old that you know all it's the multiple decades I've been living in these universes in my head you're now king. feels like time travel, right? Yeah, so you're king. You're the Geekscape's king. Um, that being said, uh, we got him in this movie. We've seen him in Loki. I thought he was great in Loki, but that was a version of Kang and Loki. Well, and I, in, the, I, in I killing him in Loki, of this conversation, right? But... but in killing him in Loki, you unleash the possibility for this Kang. And there are differences in Kang, and we will get to that. But this is the third Ant-Man movie. Uh, I thought it started off with the same kind of Ant-Man fun. And then basically the plot of this movie, Geekscape, is, is that uh, Hank you know, Hank Pym and Janet Pym, they're all happy. Hope Van Dyne is not successful. She's used, yeah, Everything post-Infinity War and Endgame has turned things up for Scott. He's now a celebrity. He's been yeah. given the uh, title of Saving the Planet. I'd give it to the rat who got him out of the quantum realm to begin with. But basically Scott's the person everybody thinks for saving the universe. Uh, and uh, he's got one problem. It's that Cassie Lang, his daughter is detached from him. And at the beginning of the movie, he gets her out of jail. She's been at a local, uh, um, you know, uh, she, she's been kind of, uh, what would it, she's like, she's like a, uh, she wants to be a freedom fighter. She was at a, a local like March and she got arrested and uh, she wants to do good things. And she sees Scott as somebody who saved the universe, sure, with the Avengers. But now it's just kind of resting on her laurels, not really helping people anymore. But she wants to. And she and Hank have created a device that can communicate back and forth with the quantum yeah. realm. Janet's like, hell no. Oh, that's a terrible idea. And before you know it, they all get sucked into the quantum realm. It's pretty much the gist of it, right? There's a scene right before that. But... Why don't you, you tell us about this? And I mean, we, we, we could jump into this a lot of ways. Um, into the water realm or into the conversation? Well, 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 jump into the conversation a lot of ways. Um, you, you, you hit upon something in the plot that right away irked me a little bit. And I love the idea that, you know, that Cassie sees um, Hank Pym as grandpa, but did not feel out of no, out of like, where did this come from? This idea that, Cassie's now super intelligent and doing this this amazing quantum realm science experiment with Hank Pym. Like, if she was really his biological granddaughter, then you you you, you presume that level of intelligence. But like, Scott's a thief. I don't know what her mother does. Right. You know, like, yeah, Judy Greer's not in this film. Did that seem yeah. weird to you? So. The opening gives me a little bit of a, a problem. And yes, they streamlined it. There's a yeah, lot that yeah. they chew on I like that movie. she's feisty and fighting and I buy sure. that and being tough and all that. But like, she's a super scientist. Well, immediately what I have a... Teenager? A, uh, immediately the stability of this movie starts to kind of falter because there's no Judy Greer, which I think Judy Greer's well, input as the mother would have helped. But well, also well, well, there's let, no... Let me say, let me say well, there's no they, supporting cast for Scott. Well, we're going to get into that in a second, but just to stay with my point. They basically, what they did in that moment by doing that, they made her Nadia. 
Yeah. So yeah. for people that don't know, in the comic books, um, Janet Van Dyne was the Wasp. Okay. Janet in this is what's become the first generation Wasp. Okay. Which is Hank Pym's um, wife, Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. So initially, you know, we find out about her fleetingly in, in the first movie. And that's why, you know, hope is made up for the movies. And that's why Hank was holding hope back because they didn't want to go down that path. But she's the first wasp we see. But she's actually the second wasp. Um, in the comics, Janet Van Dyne is the wasp. And Hank Pym, her ex-husband, had a daughter no one ever knew about, Nadia. And Nadia becomes the second wasp. And at this point in the comic, Hank's gone. That's a whole thing. Ultron, whatever, we can get into that, but um, not relevant <laughs> to this conversation. But Janet's actually now adopted Nadia. And Nadia is super smart like her father. She's a total scientist. Um, she has this organization called Girl that, you know, so she's doing all kinds of scientific stuff. So in essence, what they've done doing that with Cassie is they've incorporated that aspect of Nadia into Cassie, which I, I like in a way. It just sort of feels like out of nowhere. So I just thought it was worth commenting on. Yeah, but we learn pretty quickly that she has a full grasp of the pin particles. She's using them right. in these uh, marches. You know, she's being political. She's being active. She wants to save mm-hmm. the world. I think that character definition is good. She's got the yeah. same pluckiness that her father has. Um, but you're you're right. This, the, I mean, the streamlining of this plot well, well, very well, early to get us to the quantum realm as fast as possible so, does leave a little bit of stability out of it. Yes, yes. And by the way, in the comics, Cassie does end up with superhero identity. Um, she ends up, she has these size shifting abilities and stature is who she's mostly been known as in the Young Avengers. Now, there's an alternate reality, uh, this Marvel Next that was going for a while, where she actually becomes Stinger with a purple mm-hmm. costume and all that. So, and I felt, you know, whereas this movie doesn't quite get to exactly which way she's going, because um, it sort of combines both. But I think that, you know, it, it, she's somewhere in between the two of them, maybe both. Who knows which way they're going to go with her on that. I think ultimately, and we'll get to the end fight sequence and the end battle sequence. Yeah, the, well, they the went multi. with stature there, but, you they know. They went with stature, and, the, and that's, that'd be pretty good for a Young Avengers team. Yeah, well, here's the thing. You know, Hank Pym originally was Ant-Man, then he was Giant-Man. And, you know, I always like the idea that he can go either way. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the idea of small and big and, you know, because once you're using them, you need just which pin particle do you use kind of thing, you know? Right. So I, I like that a lot. Um, so it might be that they, they don't do, you know, they, they come give her a completely different identity because each one calls, you know, you know, on the other ability, right? So they get sucked into the quantum realm. And what we've known from the opening of this movie is that Janet spent, and we know this from the last movie as well, that Janet spent a very long time, 30, 40 years in the quantum realm. Time, we know that it goes differently that way. Michelle uh, Pfeiffer will uh, always uh, be beautiful, but that didn't hurt it. No, and by the way, and that is called out, like that is specifically a, a storyline that happened to Janet in the comics. Very recently, where, too. Not that recently. I thought it was in the last 15 years that they that she was in the quantum yeah, realm. And she, 50, she, yeah, yeah. Yeah, about she emerged. Recently, the last couple of years. You know, yeah, re- yeah, she, re- she well, emerged well, she, in Central she, Park well, from the quantum realm. Yeah, yeah. but And, and they, for a bit, they act like she was dead. And it turned out, no, she was just in the quantum realm, which is essentially, well, look, it's here's the thing. The quantum realm, the microverse, you know, usually mm-hmm. you talk about the microverse with Marvel. And the idea of the quantum realm in this movie, you know, even subatomic is another thing for microverse, right? 
So they actually referenced that they went through subatomica into the quantum realm. Right. So, but this idea that there's going, going smaller and smaller in size, you end up in sort of this other universe and there, so, there are beings there. And, you know, and, and the very famous thing that, you know, for those of us that grew up in the seventies or maybe eighties, remember the Micronauts and the Micronauts that was, they were from the microverse and within the comics, they would sometimes, they'd come out of the microverse, you know, in, into the real world. But oddly enough, they'd always be. They were, I shouldn't say always, they were usually small when they came over, which sort of doesn't make sense because you're shrinking, you're shrinking, you're growing, you're growing. You know, there have been plot lines where someone shrank down to the microverse and if they didn't shrink all the way, then they were bigger. But right. if you shrink down to scale, so it's all a question of scale, right? But the microverse is out of the question here because Hasbro owns the Micronauts. Well, uh, the Micronauts, so yes. We're not going to see that in the film. But for instance, there right. was a character that Marvel created that wasn't part of the toy line called Bug, whom even though Marvel lost all the other Micronauts characters, Bug stayed around, was actually part of the, the, the storyline that led to the, the Guardians in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been other storylines in Marvel comics that utilize the Microverse and Subatomica. The most important of for our conversation is Jorella. Jarella is is a character that the Hulk got shrunk down into the microverse at one point, and he met the what what was the love of the Hulk version's life was Jarella because it was a planet and everyone was green skinned. And the Jarella storyline is important because they bar two characters in this movie came out of the Jarella stuff. Um, Both um, Bill Murray's character Krylar came from a, a very quick appearance, you know, like he was a similar character. And a Jarella story. And then Gentora was actually uh, Jarella's niece. Hmm. I was wondering as these characters show up, and these are characters in the um, quantum realm, uh, Cassie and Scott get separated from the Pims and, uh, and from Hope. And Cassie and Scott meet Gentora while, uh, while we have the Pims meeting uh, Lord Krylar. And you realize that, that Janet had this relationship with Lord Krylar, which is comedic. Uh, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you meeting both, I'm just going to call them the micronauts meeting, <laughs> meeting Gentora fighters, yeah. and those freedom fighters with Cassie and Scott. And obviously Cassie takes right to their plight. Uh, and then meeting Krylar, you realize in the 30 years, uh, or in the, 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 the time that Janet has been the brief time from Ant-Man two to now that Janet's been gone, what ended up happening was she abandoned the uh the these freedom fighters to kang and she's also responsible for kang fixing his ship but not being able to uh to escape the the quantum realm because she sees psychically what what kang is capable of and sabotages the ship at the last minute and uh and so basically in the time that janet's been gone these freedom fighters and lord krylar and all these people who lived in the quantum realm have now been put underfoot to to kang and kang is just looking for a way to to like fix his ship and get out of the quantum realm. That is Kang's purpose. And in a big way, he blames Janet for the destruction of that ship. I mean, Janet helped him fix the engine in his ship, but then realizing what Kang is capable of, she she sabotages the engine by embiggening it to where he cannot use it in his ship. And now, you, now you're caught up. Um, these 30 minutes to me, Ian, were fun. They were creative. There's so much visual creativity going on on the screen. There's some fun characters. It's really bananas. I'm laughing. I'm loving it. I think that it's hurting the movie as much as I loved so much of the stuff that was going on in this sequence. 
uh, none of it really pays off in any way that either goes back to what the characters need or what the story needs. Um, as fun as it was, it starts to wear a little bit and you wonder where the movie is going. I don't think the engine of that movie kicks in until Kang comes back into the film and uh, you realize like, oh, the big bad's here. He's serious. He hates Janet. He's he needs Scott to shrink the engine and get out of the micro uh, out of the I'm gonna call it the microverse out of the quantum verse, quantum realm, and uh, and he's the person with the engine for this film. He's the person that's getting the movie clicking again. But those thirty minutes for me, fun, creative, cool stuff. Not gonna say any of that really came back. So it, it really lost a bit of momentum there. And I don't know if it ever really got it back. How do you feel, Ian? Um, I think I enjoyed this movie more than you did, you know. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, my wife liked it, and she's very critical. But, um, <laughs> you know, mostly for her, she definitely had, you know, her issues with it. But, you know, I think all of us agree Jonathan Majors is great. He's you know? fantastic. And, de- and definitely the, the movie, everything comes alive when he's on the screen. Very much um, so. And if you weren't already a fan, you know, get, getting the, the multiple versions of him in the, in the credit scene was just like, yes, please. And as my wife said, okay, more of this, I'm here for it. Yeah, um, not but, since but, Tim Allen in Christmas with the Cranks have we had the actor play that many characters. It's going to be but, a lot of fun. But, but you know, I went into the movie having heard that, the, you know, I avoided the reviews, but basically the general sense, you know, that, that the negative reviews from critics was, oh, it's all just set up. And I didn't feel it was just set up. Is it set up? Sure. Um, for me, it's set up I've been waiting for. You know, after Loki, it's like we've been starved. And uh, frankly, we've been complaining. Okay, we have to wait all the way. Like, where are they seeding this? You know, at least the other Marvel movies, you know, the, the mid credit scenes, you'd have something that was seeding its way toward what's coming down the line. And we, we really didn't see much of it. And honestly, I've been worried, as you know, as people that have watched, that watch this know, I've been worried um, about us ending up in multiverse fatigue, right? Sure. You know, I mean, are these all going to seem the same? And suddenly I'm not as worried about that. But, but, but sticking to just this movie in itself, I feel it's unfair to say all this movie is is set up. And I disagree with that as well. Yeah. yeah. Th- this movie, I mean, it can, they set up the idea of exploring the quantum realm in the first movie and very much the second movie necessitated this movie. You know, for me... Look, my biggest complaint for the Ant-Man franchise, you know, this movie being the third in the Ant-Man franchise, is the lack of the supporting characters. And I get it. They're in the quantum realm so quickly, you know? So where are they? But, I mean, even a cameo, like, to me, it's a bummer we don't get those guys. Yeah, we don't get Luis. We don't get David De- uh, Dimashin's yeah, character. He did a yeah. voice for one of he those did a voice. freedom fighters. Yeah, Exactly. But, but you know what? Like, like I just, I want to know where they are. And, we, you know, we actually, they catch us up to Scott and where his life is now. Where are his buddies? You know, mm-hmm. where's the security company? Like, mm-hmm. couldn't we have just gotten, you know, a, a little aside of how the security company is doing well or whatever, something? We got know? one like, glance at Jimmy, uh, yeah. the, the FBI agent. Jimmy we Wu, got, yes. W- Jimmy Wu. We got one glance at him, and that yeah, was about so, it. Know, I, so, I kind of was expecting to see Ghost, in a sense, to, you know, even... And, and apparent, well, we're getting Ghost and like Thunderbolt. That. I, I didn't right. need Ghost here why. because it makes sense right. to me that she's not part of their lives. Sure. But, but, but the, seeing, other, the others is a yeah. giant disappointment. Um, and, and, and I think, I mean, it, it's a disservice to the, to the two that come before because they're major parts of the other two. You know, again, as I said, I get that. It's just we don't see him here because it's just not what, where the story was. But 
in looking at the three of them as a, as a trilogy, as a piece, that's it doesn't progress it. No, it made sense that they didn't sure. show up in Endgame. Yes, agreed. that made sense. I was fine There's with a that. blip going on. You know, much so the blip and you know and, and the others and, and they're not combatants and whatever else. Fine, that I get, but they should have been in this movie. So that's my biggest complaint. Beyond that, you know, some people talk about you know. Hank being, uh, excuse me, Scott being marginalized. I mean, a lot of people feel this is Michelle Pfeiffer's movie, all that. It doesn't bother me as much. You know, I mean, I've literally heard people say, oh, it's Michelle Pfeiffer and, you know, and Cassie, you know? Like, I don't agree with it, that at all. And, and, and even if I did, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's just part of the, the, the story. It's fine. It's, you know, it's Ant-Man Quantumania. It's still, it, it's still, he's very much in the movie. He's not, uh, not it, in the movie. I, he's, I he's think Hope got, Hope got most of that, tre- most of the treatment of being pushed to the back that, that I thought anybody did, okay. you know, and, but Scott is very much in the center of this movie. He is the person yeah. Kang goes to, to say, Hey, I agree. I need I my engine. It's been enlarged. You can shrink it, but in order to do so, you have to go into, you have to shrink to such a size and go into a probability storm in order to shrink it again to, for, so I can put it in my ship and get the heck out of this quantum realm. Uh, I have Cassie. I will kill Cassie. You need to go do this for me. I thought that was the center of the movie. I enjoyed it. I love that we're, we're we'll, get back, we'll way, get back to Modoc. Speak, speaking but, of that, and the idea that he did something that seemingly no one else was able to do once again gets us back to you know that first movie. This idea yes. that he has something about him that he just is able to keep his conscience a little bit clearer. You know, jumping the quantum realm and all of it. Like and, he's and recruited to do a job. That being said. That job is not stealing something. <laughs> that job is just to shrink. So I started to scratch my head at that. I love the probability storm sequence visually. I think it's so much fun. And I love that the only thing that really saves him, I mean, yes, hope comes in and helps. The thing that really saves him in that probability storm is he has Cassie and he has this purpose and he has this daughter he has to get back to. So even though he's split into multiple or infinite versions of himself, he can get them all to work together, knowing that they all share this glove for Cassie, and that's the solution. I thought that was a great character moment. I thought that was an amazing sequence. I loved that. I'm going to jump forward to the problem I have with the end of this film, in okay. that the solution to the Kang in this film, and it is a complete film, folks. It's not just set up. The Kang that's introduced in this movie is the Kang that's defeated in this movie. But the way that they defeat the Kang I still Kang want to movie, talk about who the Kang in this movie is. It, it, and yeah, and I'm still thinking about that too. Loki. Right. So I'm thinking about this one. So let me just say this. I think everyone knows this, but Jonathan and I saw the movie together, but going back how back from when Geekscape started, as a rule, which I think we once or twice maybe have made a couple comments, (laughs) but we just said other than maybe hearing each other's reactions in the movie, we did not talk about it at all. We really don't know how each other feel about the movie. Yes. Um, We'll discuss who we think this actual king is and if he contracts well, well, the existence and, and, of the king at the end of loki because the existence of the king remains. at the end of loki he right remains. he remains and knowing that he's the one who remains did that happen before he was exiled i think it would have to have been but we'll, we'll get to that what i want to say about the ending of this movie is it's the, the solution to this movie isn't inherent to scott it's not inherent to the ant-man concept of shrinking and in enlarging uh kang is a, activating his ship he has the engine working He's got to stop it. The Pims are safely back on Earth. We don't know that Kang is still alive because we saw him get crushed by a bunch of ants, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Kang's still alive. Scott has to stop him. And it turns into punching. It turns into like, I can punch more than you. I can punch more than you. 
uh, it doesn't turn into a solution based on size. Yes, Scott does slap a bunch of shrinky dinks and grow dinks. That's what I'm calling the little devices onto the engine to destroy it. Kang is sucked into that. I think a better ending, honestly, Ian, having introduced the probability storm would be that Kang beats the crap out of Scott. He's about to kill him. And Scott says, like, he's like, I've won. And he's like, and Scott's like, no, you actually lost. And Kang realizes that the one thing that Scott can do is be a sneak. And he snuck some of these things onto Kang and he he shrinks Kang to the point where Kang is stuck in a probability storm that we've already introduced in the movie. And Kang's stuck in a probability storm with versions of Kang. They don't have a Cassie. They don't have a purpose for working together. And Kang actually doesn't work with other Kangs. There can only be one Kang. And that Kang would have been stuck in that, that, that probability storm for the rest of time, fighting increasingly... Uh, growing numbers of him but, but and that would have been inter- a cool that's, ending. that's an interesting idea except that the the mid credit scene actually shows something wrong with your thesis which is can can work together i don't think that's gonna last ian i don't think that i just just telling you i don't think that's gonna last it never does this actually gets into um exactly my point that i was that i was thinking about in regards to this Kang and he who remains in Loki, he remains. We find out this is the Kang that was victorious. That basically he destroyed all the other universes. He dealt with every incursion event and he ended them. And he says, this is important because otherwise incursion events will cause the end of everything. So what what I thought was brilliant about that Loki episode is it actually postulated this idea is Kang the bad guy. Now, from Janet's point of view, he killed trillions, right? But do you have to kill trillions to save for there to be anything left? Sure, sure. Right? But at, so at the end of Loki, what happened? The decision was made to not follow his advice. And in that moment, the multiverse was born or born again. But of course, because that's happening outside of time, that has ramifications across time so because things aren't linear in that sense right because where chronopolis is he's out but but things have happened before now and i think the the expulsion of this king came after the events of that loki finale and it was well well, after it is weird the vocabulary exactly My, exactly. my, my point is this they say the council of kings banished him my interpretation was he is that king he is the one that becomes he who remains. Hmm. He's the one, the enemy of all the others that did beat them. So he survives. Ant-Man, I think so. Quantumania. Because the question is, you know, the, 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 the time perspective on this is very confusing. Sure. Sure. Things can fold in on themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, at the end of Secret War and Kang Dynasty... Is the ultimate thing that, well, he was right and we end up with one universe and there he is in the background as he who remains? Maybe. Uh, not if Dome has anything to do with it. Maybe. But I'm just saying that, you know, there's that. And so that, that, was, that was an interesting thing. Because my take on it is all of this is because of that, right? My so take on all it. all existing again is exactly that. They are coming from the we already He, he said here what, what he who remains said. They're coming. Yes. That's happening. But my my take on it is that the Kang and Loki was taken off the board 
it create. You keep uh, calling him Kang. He wasn't Kang. He was right, he who okay. remains. Okay, he used so to he, be Kang. he who remains is taken off the board. All the kings can now exist. The Council of Kings happen. This king gets exiled. It he could have happened. Taken off the board at the right? end of his life. Yes, but where? But where is the, his previous life? Yes, it's, is it this all his still previous yeah. life. I don't think he survives this movie. It does. It seemed like he didn't. Right. I'm just saying. And how many times has a king conquered all the other kings and gotten to the top of the heap? I think this is something that happens in perpetuity. Sure. And so yeah. that ending, when you see an arena, the mid-credit sequence where you see the arena of kings, they're going to end up fighting each other, and that's what Kang always does. Kang well, gets listen, defeated by Kang, whether it's Iron Lad, whether it's a different version, like Kang yes, stops Kang. Because they're going to be incursions, and this is, this is what we know. We know this is leading towards, there's all these universes, and it's going to shrink and shrink and shrink. And we're going to end up with Battle World, right? We've already seen incursions in, in, in Doctor right. Strange. And yes, Battle World is what I think that the the actual... Uh, Secret War Secret is going to be... Gonna be, gonna be yeah. Yeah. I love that Hickman story because it's a big glorified Fantastic Four story and Doom is at the center of it. That's why I love it so much, folks. Doom's easily my favorite villain. It's also borrowing from, you know, so originally the the original Secret War was the Beyonder bringing all these beings to a planet. And the idea that this new Secret Wars was, well, all these different universes are represented on this one planet where they're battling. I mean, it's just really cool. Um, And sidetrack. Are you reading that all-out Avengers line yes. that Greg Land is doing? Yes. <laughs> How did you like turning that page and seeing what the cliffhanger is on that issue? Yeah. It's, it's fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Beyonder, a character that was so drenched in, like, it's basically Neil Diamond or, like, Knight Rider. He's so 80s and I mean, look, cheese. you know. Yeah, that he, the fact that they're bringing him Rogers, back to Marvel. But th- 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 then he gives himself, you know, dark, dark curly hair. You know? <laughs> he looks like David Hasselhoff in a Neil Diamond jumpsuit, and he was a villain in the '80s. And the fact that they're bringing him back into the Marvel comics right now, I was like, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. That was well, you hilarious. remember that, that it, it's Steve Rogers, and then he just changes his yeah. hair. And the other thing is too, Ian, uh, and I'm going to spoil the Avengers Forever storyline going on in the comics right now. Like Loki's is the OG Avengers villain. Like I thought that storyline, I thought that that issue was was so great. Just well, they're not only the reveal, but the follow-up issue talking about how Loki decimated all the Avengers, all the realities, everything. And then, then he was left without defenders of the planet that he ruled. Yeah, And when uh the Celestials show up and Galactus shows up, there are no Avengers to save him. And Loki had to not only create, recreate the Avengers. Coming out in a couple months, doesn't it? Not not only did Loki have to recreate the Avengers, he had to protect the Avengers Mm -hmm. and become Avengers prime. It was awesome. Yet again, I I love that idea because it's always, it's like, it's always this thing of like, if the bad guy is trying to kill, I mean, even in DC comics, they're going to kill Batman, you know, like on the street in Gotham. Meanwhile, Batman ends up helping the Justice League save, like, the planet, the universe, all these things. Like, uh, this is kind of a bad idea. Yeah, what are you going to rule if you take off the take out the people who are saving it? Yeah. Um, so, Ian, that, that, the movie was a little bananas for me. It, it had some stuff that... It was fun. I, I, yeah, it was fun. I wish the ending did have an ending like that, that that tied into what Scott is and who Scott is or what the uh, concept of Ant-Man is. It did just feel like it descended into punch fest. Um, let's talk about possibly the most 
Oh, you know, in, in, in characters who were introduced, especially in that first 30 minutes that you're, you're celebrating the quantum realm and having a lot of fun, those things don't really pay off. We don't see Bill Murray's character come back and realize that he was wrong and, and lead the, I the agree freedom completely he- with that. Hell, like it would that. be great to see Lord Krylar come back and and be part of the good guys and, and Janet put that seed in him that Either he was the good a better guys person or the that. bad guys, whatever. But you're right, it doesn't pay off. We see this big off. rebellion, you know, and these freedom fighters take advantage of or get called in, but we, we don't see that. I mm-hmm. do think that, that that that's lacking. But there honestly, two Rise of Skywalker endings in this movie. When the rebellion yes. came in, and then when the ants came in, I was like, yeah. "Stop! Whoa! It's this movie borrows a lot from Star Wars." Uh, Is that the one you want to borrow from? Let's talk about the ant thing for a second. It was clear when they're falling in the ants fall. Okay, great. That's how the, it's Ant Man. How do you use ants? You got to bring ants down. Yeah, it was cool. the ants. Ants followed this them into the quantum realm. Idea that the ants mutated over thousands of years. Like, why do they? Why was it thousands of years? Where were messy. they? That it was thousands of years for them. Into the build the society that they're fighting on. Where's their society that they? I'm built? saying like like I they, I got you they, brother. They, they, it's not like they got stuck somewhere else that a thousand year thousands of years went by. They were there, yeah. So they're on the same timeline. Time I don't know. There was some that messy messy to me. There was some messy stuff in this movie. Um, one of the things that I enjoyed the most was Modok until it was uh, until they overdipped the Oreo on it and it got a little soggy. But, listen, all right, let's start off. So let's talk Modok, please. So, because you heard me laughing my butt off when they brought uh, Modok in, I I loved Modok. I loved Modok. First of all, I thought it was a really, it was important that we got him because obviously the way you know the first movie ended Mm -hmm. totally made sense that he'd show up again. Um, And then you know you get into things that the MCU's done all along the comics where they take concepts and they put them in, in places you don't expect them. And by the way, it was the same thing with Darren Cross in the first movie. Darren Cross mm-hmm. is in Yellow Jacket in the comics, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, you know, I, I thought I thought that was kind of clever, um, and I enjoyed it. Um, some people commented on you know um, the face, the CGI of that being a little distracting. I personally felt that's what Modok should look like. I think it's distracting because you you know Corey Stahl and what he looks like, so it makes you focus more on oh, doesn't the nose and things like look so fake? But Modok looks like that. Yeah, and Modoc he looks unreal. Hilarious. Like, like <laughs> the I, the look of Modok with that giant head and the sort of flattened out and stretched in this really weird way is exactly what Modok should look like. I thought the treatment of Modok visually and character wise, and then ripping on Modok was some of my favorite and parts of the movie. Hysterical, yeah. so so funny. I, I loved it. Loved it. The one thing I would have, I think, would have helped was if Modok in the rescue of Jentora and the freedom fighters that Cassie undergoes, uh, it really dictates Modok as Cassie's villain in this movie, which kind of becomes, but the ending should have flipped the table on the fact that Darren dressed as a bee, quote unquote, scared Cassie in her bedroom when she was six years old in that first Ant-Man movie. And having, and having a, a, like Darren submitted the end because he's scared as hell of being stomped by a stature. By Cassie, who's in Big End, and is like, hey, now I'm the person terrorizing you, fold. Instead, Darren kind of does his character turn and then dies. They take Modoc from us. We don't get to see aim at Modoc. We don't see Modoc in front of a bunch of beehive suits in the MCU. True. Can Modoc Mo- can, can easily back? come back. He's First a mechanized all, character, yeah, correct? Yeah. Well, this is a Modoc. 
This is a Modoc. That's what I want to hear it, you say. So, so in the comics, Modoc is George Tarleton, who's part of AIM, and it's an experiment to increase his intelligence and becomes Modoc. Yeah. So there's nothing saying there can't be another Modoc. Please, thank you, thank you. There's can no, you, there's can no you tell reason that? they can't make another Modoc. First of all, with Kang, you can even have this Modoc again. That's what I like to hear you say. You know, thank you. besides thank you, the fact that there can easily be another Modoc, that's easy. Thank you. That makes me feel a lot better because I was sad silly. when Modoc died because I was having so much fun with him. Imagine uh, how he felt. Yeah. Thank you. Thank. You. I'm okay with Darren Starry dying. I didn't like Dar- Modoc dying. That made me sad. Um, Ian, let, can we let, let's go into the Kang. Let's do the Kangness. Let's, that's the business, but Kang style. Can we do the Kangness? Tell me, like, about that end credits. Actually, tell me about Kang and my friend Christian Blatt, who runs a couple uh, podcasts on this network, has asked me to ask Ian, what is a definitive Kang storyline? Honestly, I think a really good... If you... There was a Kang miniseries, I think it was last year, and actually on Marvel Infinity, if you do the, uh, you know, if you do any of that streaming stuff... They actually pretty much uh, reprinted it, like it's like, it's like Kang something or other ten issues, like 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 very recently. It was like a perfect lineup for this movie, um, and it changed a little bit, but it actually sort of cleaned up all the different versions of Kang. Are you talking um, about the Jackson Lansing Kang yes. the Conqueror miniseries that happened? It yes. was only five issues, but it was great. It was five yeah. or six issues. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was really good, and um, and it doesn't really go. A, against anything well, doesn't go against much specifically um but i thought it, it does a really good of cleaning up the ravona stuff and it added it actually added some who is ravona? I thought it was good. help help my geekscape is out well, okay. who is ravona? So, so, well, let me get to that so okay. so basically um kang's origin is that he's from the 30th century and eventually we find out that his name his original name is nathaniel richards which <laughs> is relevant because Richards is the last name of Reed Richards. He's a descendant of Reed Richards. But apparently he's also somehow a descendant of, of Victor Von Doom. And apparently life at the time he's from is really boring. Like they have you know, machines and everything, do everything for everybody. And he's super smart and he just, he wants adventure. He wants to go out there. He wants to learn things. He basically finds his way into, you know, to Dr. Doom, goes to Latveria finds the time machine and starts travel, you know, is going to travel in time. What that miniseries did different though, is we always knew that was basically Kang's origin. And first he was Ramatut. He was a Pharaoh ruling in Egypt and Fantastic Four show up. I think it was a fast forward issue number two and they fight him and they, they end his reign. Um, then he goes on and becomes the Scarlet Centurion because he's basically copying Dr. Doom's armor. Then he becomes Kang eventually at some point in the far future, he becomes Immortus. And Immortus is the one that's most like he who remains. Um, and then, uh, you know, at some point, Immortus has a kid, Marcus, and Marcus actually is who steals Carol Danvers. He, he basically takes her to limbo and makes her fall in love and comes to the event and makes her pregnant. And basically she gives birth to him and he comes to, you know, full size like right away and she leaves with him it's really weird yeah, ugly sounds thing weird that sounds pretty weird yeah so but anyway um 
but versions of Kang basically fight the Avengers forever. But anyway, in this miniseries, and I don't know if I should spoil it exactly, but they do something really interesting where Kang comes to Nathaniel Richards before he's Kang, when he's just embarking on this, and he on takes the, on him, his says, time travel journey. And yeah, yes. keep going because this him. is my definitive Kang story. Yeah, and he takes him because he says, you know, and he, it's this whole thing about you need to never love; you have to be hardened, and all this stuff, right? And initially, you don't know what the deal is, and he's like trying to beat things out of him. And they're in prehistoric times, and they come across a tribe, and immediately the young Kang, who's been training in all this, basically meets his first first girl he's into, but Kang finds out about it and actually and basically you know um the whole end of civilization is coming because you know the the asteroid that's going to kill the dinosaurs is coming and these people know it because they have prophecy and all that the worst kang basically comes along and he kills them all just to teach the other kang a lesson which leads that young king the young king he's like listen like love is weakness so, so young Kang then, when Kang is drunk and, you know, still crying over, you know, this love that he lost, young Kang steals his armor and thinks he's left him there to die wait, and wait, jumps, but then gets he, stuck yeah. in Egyptian times and ends up having to fight Ramatut. And, you know, the and Kang that's they, already there, right? Yes. And that leads to like, they actually bring in what they didn't know about back when uh, Ramatut was originally in the comics. They bring Apocalypse into it, which is, you know, the X-Men villain who was so old. And we know he was also around in Egyptian times. So um, basically, they get involved. The, the FF do show up. He jumps again. He but ends what, up there's be- something important. Uh, the, he sees Ramona. He sees this version of the yes, one that he loved. Yes, he sees in Ramona Egyptian times. here. Everywhere he goes, every time he jumps to, he sees the woman and, that and, he loves. And But this time, yes, it's... This Ravona, basically, he gets a sense right away that she's the same woman he met in prehistoric times. Her name wasn't Ravona at that time. There's one little detail, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is she not also the Moon Knight of that era? Yes. In, in <laughs> Egypt, she's the Moon Knight. Right. Yes. It's fun. I mean, I like how much it tied in here, this stuff. It was a lot of no, fun. It, it may sound like a mess here, Geeks gave us, but it was actually Jackson Lansing and, really and company did a great job on it. Yeah. Well, well, and listen, listen I, I don't want to tell every, I, I don't want to, for anyone interested in reading it, because it's worth reading. As I said, it's up on Infinity right now. It's um, just called Kane the Conqueror. It's five yeah. issues. I think it's so clean. Well, by Infinity, so well it was, it's 10 Infinities, but whatever. Okay. But um, he ends up jumping in time, and ultimately, the, the twist is, is that. He becomes the Kang that took him. Yep. And eventually he gets p- past that point because the Kang that took him knows exactly what's going to happen and has a backup suit. That he'll be killed in his sleep, right? Well, he's not killed. He's oh, he, just, the suit was he, taken. He steals and, the suit. Yeah. So he wasn't right. trapped. And he goes on and he determines at, the, at that point that he needs to figure out Ravona keeps appearing and he, he keeps losing her. Yeah. He tri- like. He remembers that, you know, she's supposed to die, you know, you know in the, the, the version that the Kang lamented was supposed to die. So he tries to change that and everything it never works. And he goes like to the end of time and tries to do this thing. And basically he does this thing that this cosmic thing where he thinks he's creating all these opportunities that can go and save or whatever else. It doesn't work because she always despises him. Right. She ends up despising him. She ends up finding out what he did. And he's basically made her existence. Hell that she's going to keep recurring throughout history. So she At just one point, hates him. She's the leader of a group designed just to combat king <laughs> like but, but, she, yeah but, it's a he, fun but story. here's the important thing for those of us watching this wondering about how this connects to the mcu ravona's last name 
in the far future where Kang first met her is Renslayer. She's Ravona Renslayer. Gugu and Batha Raw and Loki is Ravona. Oh, hold up. Repeat that again. Gugu and Batha Raw and Loki. Which character was that? Renslayer. Uh, what'd she look like on the screen, dude? Help me out. Gugu and Batha Raw is an actress, a gorgeous actress. Okay. She's um Ambatha, she's black. Uh, she's I'm looking. Lambathara. Yeah. Yeah, the character was Renslayer. Yes. Oh, the yeah. in, the Indian actress. She's like She's Indian. great. Is she not? No. She's black. Let me see. She's black. Okay. Fantastic. Lambathara. Yeah. Gugu Lambathara. Yeah, she's Ravona. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Ravona got Renslayer. This. Didn't okay. I say this when we when we reviewed Loki? I didn't point out. That Ian, she that was, was two years ago, man. That's Isn't true. That it's a long insane. Time. Not only is it two years, but Ian, let's talk about the MCU. Like they're pushing their slate. Is it in reaction to some of the critical response to Ant Man three, or what no. do you think? No, talk to me. It, 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 this is all economics. This is everything going on in Hollywood. I, mm. I, I appreciate a lot of people watching this might not know, but you know, I mean, I think I well, you know, maybe I don't know this. I mean. Money's a big thing. It started with Netflix. Suddenly, ooh, surprise, surprise. Netflix sub- subscriber base isn't growing anymore because there's only so many people on the planet. Yeah, they've said And there's a lot of competition. No that was always going to happen. But yeah. so, so suddenly, for some reason, all the other streamers and companies behind them are going, oh, wait, we're putting all this money into streaming that everyone said wasn't going to be, you know, actually financially um, lucrative for years. And suddenly that's a problem. So everyone's freaking out. And look, in fairness... Speaking directly about Disney and what's going on in the last couple of years, Phase 4 has had a lot of creative slumps, right? Um, there's been a bunch of disappointment. Um, and money, money, money. Everyone's concerned about money. So, you know, I mean, look, the, the shows, I, as we've reviewed them, I think you and I have generally really liked them and we've liked the diversity and all that. Very much How so. you judge whether they're successful, I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, we don't see... The metrics we don't see the the viewer numbers you know and you get into an interesting thing about streaming what is successful in streaming i think a strong argument to be made for this one of the big successes of disney plus is this constant marvel and star wars content people are saying there's too much marvel and star wars content but does that or does not not guarantee a lot of people subscribe to disney maintain that subscription that mm-hmm. was the point of it Geekscape are, they paying, is, are they spending too much? Quantumania made 120 million domestically over the weekend. Like it is doing just fine on earnings. More than just fine relative yeah. to the other Ant Man movies. Each Ant Man movie has made significantly more than the one before. Right. But right. but again, what I'm saying is in terms of shows, I mean, what's successful for a streamer? There aren't commercials. So they don't have people, they don't have advertisers paying for space on it. So it, it's about people joining a service and maintaining their subscription. But they pushed so, back uh, two projects, right? They pushed back Ironheart and they pushed they back... Pushed back Ironheart and Echo. And Echo. I've okay. heard some rumors about Echo being doomed. I can't confirm them. You know, okay. that, you know, may, maybe it really is just going to be next year. Maybe it's not happening at all. Maybe they're going to reuse the stuff. I don't know. But they've shot the, the material. They've it's- shot the material or a lot of the material. I've, I, people have been saying to me, I've heard a lot of talk about they're doing a lot of reshoots and a lot of stuff. They want to change the focus. Some people are saying that it's creator driven in the sense of, I mean, listen, I, 
people are reactionary. People say sure. all kinds of things. Sure. People that, that say stuff, they think, you know, that there's been a trend in recent years to go more towards newer characters and, you know, and, and concentrate more on, on women, on, you know, um, yeah, I saw a shirt on, on underrepresented day. groups. I saw a and, shirt that said, make Marvel male again. I hate that shit. But, but, <laughs> but I'm saying that but, but that's just it. You have to go so, into the quantum but, realm and th- th- there are people. people that want the main characters to be white males. Yes. You know, and, and here, the, this, the truth is that the main characters initially were mostly white males. Yeah, because those are the characters that were mostly white males in the comics long ago. You should be happy. No. You still got your Nordic god. Yeah. I, to your point, they did female Thor without getting rid of male Thor, unlike right. the comics. Right. Right. You know? And they pushed back the Marvels. These are female-driven stories that are getting pushed back. But there's nothing Pushing to back the Marvels surprised yeah. me. Um, How so? We're still because, getting Guardians in May, but tomorrow no, we were supposed I'm to get in late June. Right. Because I mean, look, I think you and I agree that I was incredibly disappointed in Captain Marvel. It made a billion dollars. Yeah, but I thought the movie itself was weaker than it should have been. Was there not a November release? That's where they put the Marvels. Was there not a, a November release? They could be doing it just I to thought spread they out pushed the back, um, What was supposed to be in November? I don't know anything anymore, Ian. I know that. Uh, so let's see what we're, we're. Let's close this out talking about what we're getting next and like where you think we see we see well, more we're Scott. Loki next. We're getting Loki next or Secret Invasion. What happened to Secret Invasion? I thought Loki was before is Secret Invasion for Loki. I think Secret Invasion is. Oh, first. Secret Invasion is first, and then Loki's in the summer. You tell me, dog. We saw a Loki scene at the end of Quantumania. Who's we're that getting king? those two? What's that? Who's that well, king? That's Victor Timely. Yeah. So. So what's point, his story? At, well, supposedly he's the original Kang. He's the first <laughs> Kang. But at one point, Kang was in the early 20th century hiding, doing stuff. So he's that one. So he's doing, yeah, he's clearly doing, that, yeah. that particular scene was he's doing like vaudeville. From Loki. Yeah, yeah, it felt so like a scene from Loki. Loki. Yeah, well, it, was it definitely was. It was fun. It definitely was. Uh, I like Kang as a vaudeville presenter. Um so I guess Loki is something that we might get this summer, but uh, we get Secret Invasion probably April or something like that. I mean, we get a Mandalorian. They haven't, they haven't, Mandalorian, we know that's dropping. We haven't been given a date, yeah. a specific date on that. I would imagine Secret Invasion is coming afterwards. What's that? Yeah, I, I think that at the end, I would guess, I'm in agreement with you. At the that, end of Mandalorian that would, that would season put Secret three? Invasion in May. Sure. Okay, we can do that, right? Because I think Mandalorian. Let I me check my schedule. Episodes. Let me check my schedule and okay that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'll watch Guardians three and then I'll watch some of that. Yeah, yeah, that'll work for me. Let's do that, Disney. Let's do that. Let's do May. But the question <laughs> that does does beg, um, you know, a lot of people commenting on, oh, Marvel content between shows and movies, and I one after the other, and not having them overlap, and so because Guardians is May. The first weekend of May. May. So maybe Secret Invasion. The Marvel weekend. Sure. So Marvel weekend. Uh, Maybe Secret Invasion's a month or two after that because they're staggering the content. Mm -hmm. And then we don't get Loki to later. So Ian. They saved themselves a little bit by not telling us exactly when we're getting a show so they could just decide to drop it at a different time. Yeah. And what they were going to do without having to say they really moved it. Keep cutting it a little longer. You know. Any more Hawkeyes got moved? Um, I mean, we have obviously with what's happened to Jeremy Renner, there's no sense of when that would ever ever have been. 
Echo indefinitely pushed. Um, Ironheart, which I believe they've been shooting that. Mm-hmm. So those are the two I think they've been shooting, and who knows what they do. They have not been shooting Daredevil? Daredevil? Born again? They, they, no, Daredevil I supposedly started shooting, I thought it started shooting this past month. Mm-hmm. I heard the Daredevil Born Again was originally announced as 18 episodes, a single season. I heard that was divided into two seasons. It's getting the indoor treatment. Yeah. That's or great. 19, or 1923. Yeah. Okay, so Ian, where do you see these specific characters again? Where do we see Scott again, the Pims again? And I really thought the Pims were doomed in this one. I thought the second Kang saw Janet, that was going to add some severity to the um, story. And she I mean, was look, we, we, we do know that Phase 6 will bring two more Avengers movies. If not before then, I think we certainly see them by then. It's phase five. We'll see two more Avengers movies I, to culminate I, it. No, that's phase six. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. What culminates phase five? Why am I even looking to the end of a phase that just began? We don't know. They just, what they announced was pieces of, of four, five, and six. Okay. So, because right. the point is, Kang and, and Secret War is the end of the, the whole multiverse saga. Okay. Phase four, five, and six is the multiverse saga. Okay. And Ian, more importantly, when do we see the red gooey guy from this movie again? Because he was my favorite character. He's great. I'd love to see him again. Don't know. Unless there's an Ant-Man 4. Can you make a phone call? Um, I don't think it's going to help. but I'm I need sure. to see him and Luis in a Disney Plus show. I love it. I love okay. It. All right. Great. Get on, I'll get on the phone and see what I can do. Wouldn't um, that have David um, Destebbing, however you say his last name? <laughs> Demacian. Demacian. He could be in it, yeah. But is he playing two let's roles? How that? Let's do it. that work out? Let's do it. Yeah, let's have them all in there. Let's do it. Okay. It'll okay, be fun. Yeah. I would watch it. And please bring back Miss Greer as Cassie's mom because I love, love her. Judy love, love Judy Greer. Love Judy Greer. Um, all right, Ian. The next movie that we review may be a show. It might be Mandalorian Season 3. Okay. Uh, no, Ian, I'm just messing with you. It's going to be Shazam 2. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Wait, that's March 17th? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Listen, I, I enjoyed the first one. I think it's going to be fun. I agree with you. I, I love the first one. All right. Geekscapists. Until then. What else we have? We're, we're going to so bring you we, back. So what, we'll, we'll have Guardians. Yeah. We'll have Flash. Oh my god, I love that trailer so much. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Flash will be Flash will be soft rebooting the DC Entertainment Universe. I'm excited. Somehow Aquaman's after it. I don't know. But Aquaman might be the thing that does it. There's a couple things that might get scraped. I mean, we know Amanda Waller is not getting scraped out of the DC Entertainment Universe. um, You can pick and choose now. It's a true multiverse. Came out after Endgame, and you found out at the end that the whole movie was. uh, Excuse me, after uh, Infinity War. And then you found that at the end that the whole thing was right before it. So, you know. Yep. We can do whatever you guys you want. Go. I just like having comic book movies. Uh, Gabe Bravo brings us out on a positive note. And after phase four culminated with Wakanda Forever, he says, I love phase four. I'm sad uh-huh. that there aren't going to be uh, that many shows anymore. It was always something to look uh-huh. forward to every week. He loved it. Thought, I thought phase four was aimless relative to, you know, we got Loki and then nothing else until we get here. But I did enjoy the movie all the shows and as i think i've said numerous times the shows for me as a true major comic book fan representative of the comics they have different flavors and not necessarily for everybody although 
I enjoyed them. You know, I mean, it's it not a comic there. you didn't like, Ian. They were for, well, definitely for Ian. Well, listen, that's the thing is, you know, I read Marvel comics or DC comics and I don't hate anything. I'm not like, okay, that's what this thing is not my favorite, but I'll read it. Cause I'm curious. And all right, what are they doing here? And you know, listen, yes, I read Ms. Read Ms. Marvel comics for years ago. I'm like, this isn't meant for me, but I appreciate what they're doing. And I, it's more of an intellectual thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And every now and then eventually they get me as the show did. We're like, okay, that was a good story. You know, and it, 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 you get the feels, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Randall Biggins jumps in. I think he's in Florida. He says, well, hopefully we get an Ant-Man 4, and I could not agree more. I uh, I have fun with all these Ant-Man movies. Would not surprise great. me. I would love to see. Yeah, after I made $120 billion over the weekend, I'd be excited for an Ant-Man 4, and I know Marvel yeah. would be too. Uh, Ian, dude, thank you so much. Sure. We'll see you on the next one. Geekscape is subscribed to Geekscape. Share Geekscape with your friends. Hit that little four, five-star button on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on. Leave a nice review. And go to Ian's social media and tell him thank you and that he did a great job. And then quiz him. Ask him some comic book questions. Ian's there on the Facebook uh, group with the rest of us, Geekscape Forever Facebook group. So ask him a million questions. He's a resource not just for us, but for you. So please use him. Love you, Ian. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Bye, Geekscapers. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.